Doing that, you can turn your Bibles. We're in the book of Hosea, uh, which is somewhat hard to find. It's in the Old Testament. It's on page 752 uh, in my Bible. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> I may help you, may not. Uh, we're in chapter 3. You started recording? Great. All right. We'll, we'll begin what we're trying to do here. All right. Well, good morning. Have you ever felt like your marriage is difficult? I mean, have you ever felt like love is just too difficult? Well, um, so did a man named Lu Yi, who lives in China, and he was looking to get married. He was out on the prowl, and he was looking all over the country of China. He looked over all over 1.3 billion people to find his, his soulmate, to find the perfect one, the one that he's been searching for and longing for, and after looking over 1.3 billion people, he found the one. I mean, what, what a wonderful feeling to be the one out of all those people. And he said, here's who I will marry. Here's who I will commit myself to. I will marry myself. <laughs> this man literally married himself. He had a marriage ceremony, and at the, at the wedding, he brought a foam board cutout of himself that he put a lovely red dress on and thought, you know, why not pledge allegiance to me? I mean, I'm so loyal to me anyways. Why not marry me? Okay. In 2006, a, a Hindu woman claimed that she had fallen in love. Oh, what a feeling to, to fall into love. And she fell in love, and she decided she was going to marry a snake. And this isn't just an odd thing. Um, yes, it's odd. Uh, but there, it was not odd for 2,000 people that attended this snake wedding. And 2,000 people came to this snake wedding because they thought it would bring them good luck. And the snake did not attend, though, his own wedding. I wonder is because it might have been too dangerous of a snake. And <laughs> they had a brass likeness of himself at the wedding. And so you just wonder, hmm, okay, myself, a snake. You know what's even maybe more weird? A woman in New York married a roller coaster. <laughs> the kids love this sermon. That's my specialty, my ditch. Kids. <laughs> So why limit ourselves to living objects when we can just marry inanimate objects? And she married a roller coaster. Another woman married the Eiffel Tower. And they literally have it uh, in print, a legal document, saying they've married these things. And so the moral of the story is, if you like it, then you should put a ring on it. Which is hard to do when you marry a roller coaster. But I mean, what, is that, what does that look like? That, that's just so weird. It's just plain weird, but what's, what's more weird? What's really weird than marrying a roller coaster, than marrying a snake, or marrying yourself, is that God decided to marry you and me. Not a joke this time. <laughs> like, really weird is that God is entering into a relationship with you and me willingly. And that's what our story is picking up on today. So please stand for the reading of God's word. We're in Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And the Lord said to me, Go again, 
Love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for fifteen shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. And I said to her, You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man, so will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice of pill or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Maybe see you. Let's pray. Father, as we just vocalize, this is the word of the Lord. And so, Lord, would you uh, help us to, to hear it as such? Not as just uh, one man's opinion, not as just some good advice or some good words. But, Lord, would you, would you make the word of the Lord, the Bible, your, your speaking to us as powerful and as relevant as it is. And so, God, speak loudly through the text, speak loudly through these images and the story of Hosea. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, this July we're looking at the messy lives in the Bible and seeing how ridiculously scandalous God's grace is. And today it's no different. But one thing that I will do that's a little different is I'm not going to look at just a specific text, even though that's what we read. Uh, I'm going to look at a whole story of the book of Hosea, more of a, the picture of the book of Hosea. It's this one big story. It's the, it's the first minor prophet in the Old Testament, and minor does not mean not as important, just means a smaller book. Uh, and it's written about 30 years before the Israelites get carted off into slavery by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. But today's story is about a young preacher, just gets out of seminary, and God says, I'm going to recruit you and two other dudes, a guy named Micah and a guy named Amos. And we're going to have you be preachers to Israel, the northern tribes. And Israel has been living it up, as we might say. Um, they, they didn't really have time for God. Uh, they, they, their spirit was willing, but their flesh was ready for the weekend. If you know what I mean here. And so God calls this, this young preacher right out of seminary or Bible college. And, and you know, behind every good preacher is a preacher's wife, as they say. And I believe that's true, right? You agree. Okay. <laughs> behind every good preacher is a preacher's wife. And so Hosea is like, awesome. And God says, I'm going to have you go find your wife. And he's like, great. God is sending me on a mission to go get married. This is great. Okay, so what's he do first? He says, okay, let's hit up eHarmony. Okay, these girls are super fly, but I need a, I need a, I need a real Christian, uh, so I'm going to go to Christian Mingle. And so he, he looks at the biographies of these girls. Okay, this girl leads Bible studies. All right, this one feeds the homeless. Oh, this one wears denim dresses all the way to her toes. This one plays the piano. Oh, she could be the first lady at First Pres Middle East. Okay, okay, sweet. And God's like, no, close that computer. That doesn't exist. And he thinks, okay, should I look at the Bible college? No, no, no. Well, where's the pastor's going to find his new bride, his new, his supporter? 
And God says, let's go to the other part of town. And Jose is getting a little worried. And he's thinking, okay, this is, this is kind of a rough place over here. Are you, you sure, God? I, I know what goes on over there. I don't, do you? And so God leads Hosea to this brothel. And he sees this woman who's probably scantily dressed. And she's a prostitute. And God says, you see that woman? Yeah. <laughs> That's your woman. Go marry her. Are you, are you sure, God? I mean, she, she's, a, she's a prostitute. Jose has to be thinking to himself, what, is, what does a prostitute have to do with a preacher? What, what does a herald have to do with a hooker? E.K. Bailey says that he calls his sermon the preacher and the hoochie. I mean, this woman's reputation is not great. This is Stormy Daniels, okay? This is, this is absurd, he would be thinking. I, I can't marry this woman. And her name, her name is Gomer. I can't have my wife be named Gomer. I mean, let alone the other parts, Gomer. I mean, there's a lot of baggage that's going on going into this relationship. I mean, this is a woman of the night. Where has she been? Is she healthy? But Hosea must have been thinking to himself because he goes forward. He must have been thinking, okay, my name means salvation. So, okay, this is like for you kids again, my niche. Okay, so the Frozen movie, so what? If she, she's a little bit of a fixer-upper, right? She, he's going to go after this woman, and he's going to make her his project. He's going to make her into a, a godly woman. Okay, I'll marry her, and I'll turn her from her ways. Uh, this is never a good idea, by the way, if you're thinking about that going into marriage. Um, because he thinks they're going to live happily ever after. But they have their firstborn in chapter 1. And get ready for these names. How many of y'all are firstborns? Okay, so your, your mom and dad were thinking really long and hard about you, about your names. All of us middle sons and after are, are the afterthoughts. <laughs> we didn't get the first name. <laughs> we got the second in verse 4, chapter 1, he says, The Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel. Jezreel, which means bloodshed. Why name your firstborn bloodshed? He says, Because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. And so Hosea had been thinking, So my son is a curse on our kingdom. Great. Let's hope God forgets this. Maybe God will forget. But then Gomer's pregnant again. And now we can't be sure that this is Hosea's son or daughter. And the Lord tells him to name the child Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Then she has another son, and God says, call him Loami, which means not mine. And now you might wonder, is this Hosea's son? And we wonder, I'm thinking, probably not. He says, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Wow. I mean, what a family. I mean, how, how is this preacher feeling about his ministry 
Welcome to First Pres Middle East. Let me introduce you to my family. This is Gomer. This is bloodshed. This is not loved. And this is not mine. Okay, kids, go run off, go play. And as he's talking to this new family, just you know, we're a very welcoming, inviting bunch. Not loved! Stop that! Give the car back to bloodshed! Bloodshed, put the crossbow down. Not mine, go to your room. I mean, <laughs> I would never go back to that church ever again. <laughs> that would be so creepy. Like, I don't know. This may be how you're feeling entering our church today. What, does God, what is God thinking when he's naming this family this way? It's because in chapter 1 of verse 2, he begins the whole story this way. The Lord began to speak through Hosea the Lord. And he said to him this, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. And here's why. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. I want you to show the world how I feel about our relationship with my people by having you marry a prostitute. God made him live in the tragedy of Israel's unfaithfulness. I mean, this is a radical thing that God is calling a pastor to do. I'm going to make you know and feel what it's like to be married to you. You are the unfaithful wife. And so go and marry a prostitute. And God says, I, and I want you, Jose, I want the prophet to feel my pain because you can't actually reach these people without feeling the pain. You can't actually reach these people without agony. And knowing the agony that I have with my people, our relationship is broken again and again and again. And so Israel claimed to love the Lord, but they started introducing temple prostitution into their worship. Later in the book, it says, the more they were called, the more they went away from me. Later in the book, it says, they, they sacrificed to Baals. And he says, my people are determined to turn from me. Even though they call me God most high, I will by no means exalt them. I mean, this, this story of Hosea's marriage to Gomer is the story of God's marriage to his people. It's the story of the Bible that my people are determined to run away from me. Every inclination is a repulsion of me. It's as if we're allergic to God. And when we get around him, we have this allergic reaction, like I can't do this. And so though we call him God most high with our lips, he knows our true hearts. And he says, I know you may, you may profess this with your lips, but your hearts don't believe it one lick. And this plays out true with Gomer. She gets married. She gets married to Jose, and she has this way out from that old life. But she never truly left that old life. She's still playing with sin and pretending in church. Hosea probably heard the rumors. Did you hear about the pastor's wife? Did you hear what she did? He started wondering why she came home late at night. He saw strange men showing up at his church. He saw his wife pay more attention to those other men than his own family. And we know that she was still sleeping with other men. 
She had this side hustle. And that old life, the one that she swore she'd never go back to, she came running after. Does that sound familiar? I will, I'll give this up, Lord. I will give this up and I come back to it time and time again. She was probably gone for a week. And Jose and the kids are wondering, where's mom? And what, what would Jose say to them? She just, she just needs some space. And says, she'll come back. And a week later, she probably shows back up at the door, knocks on the door and says, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. And things look up. She's starting to look at her beautiful self again after a period of time. But before she knows it, and before Gomer knows it, she is gone. And she's gone again. And this time, the, the, the passions of the flesh are flaring up. And she's gone for weeks upon weeks. And they're wondering, where? Where is she? But the kids are, are, are missing their mom. Husband is missing his wife. And she shows up back again, knocks on the door. And this time she looks abused and used and looks truly desperate. And they say, come back. We'll welcome you back. But it's a fling. And a day later she leaves. And she's gone. And this time for good. She probably divorces him. And so you, you have Hosea, who couldn't even be sure that his children were his, so much that he names one of his children not mine. A brokenhearted father, a betrayed husband, a divorced and bewildered preacher, felt like his fragile heart would never recover. A wife who left him time after time after time, and now for good. And in this culture, this is not something to be revered, like, oh, how strong of a single dad he is. No, they're wondering, what did Hosea do to make Gomer leave him? And so he now feels shame. And God comes to Hosea in the passage that we just read today in chapter 3. And there's a famous pastor at 10th Pres in Philadelphia named Dr. James Boyce who said, This chapter is the greatest chapter in the Bible. I might have other favorite verses, but I might agree with him that this may be the greatest chapter in the Bible. Why? Let's read some of it again. Look at verse 1. The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. So God says, Hey, I found your wife. We don't know how much time has been since she permanently left him, and she hasn't changed. But go show love to your wife again. Where is she? She's still with another lover. But she is now being sold at a slave market. And so it means she probably fell into some debt, couldn't pay off her lovers, couldn't pay off maybe the pimp. And she was no longer as lovely as before. The, the sin had actually started to take its toll on her where she was much less attractive than she started out as. Because she had to be sold in the slave market. She couldn't, even be, she couldn't even make money as a temple prostitute. She had to be sold as a slave. And so Hosea goes to this marketplace and watched Gomer be brought up to the trading blocks. Where they get stripped of all their clothing. 
I mean, you had to feel what Gomer's going through right here. I mean, what would, she, what would you do if that's you? You're going up to the trading block. You're stripped down of all your clothing. I mean, you just have to close your eyes in shame like, oh, no. And then you have the auctioneer who would pinch her and prod her to see how strong she was. And then the bidding for her life began. Well, here's a female slave. Not much to look at anymore. Uh, so let's start the bidding at $50. Anyone? $50. No one? Okay, all right. Let's, let's start the bidding at $25. Nothing? Come on, people. All right, let's start it at a dollar and we'll go up. Can you, can, can you imagine the shame? My life is worth a dollar? One dollar, please, somebody pay a dollar. One dollar. Okay, two dollars. You have it wondering. She's at this point, she's going, is, how did my life get here? How did my life come to this point? $2. Okay, well, anyone bid $3? Now, in the background, remember, Jose is at this auction, and he's watching. I mean, what would you do if you were that husband? The wife who, who left you and betrayed you and hurt you and given up on you and abandoned you, what would you do? Would you come to the auction just to watch her suffer and go, she is finally getting what she deserves. I'm going to watch and smile, even as she cries. What does Jose do? $3, anybody? No? Okay. $2 going once, going twice, and then Hosea steps in and yells, I'll give you everything I've got. I'll give you a year's worth of wages. Everything I've got plus all of my food. It says he offered 15 pieces of silver and a bushel of barley because that's my wife. And I love her. I mean, that's a high price to pay for a slave. And even a higher price to pay for someone who was less as attractive as she was at this time. And Hosea said, I don't care because that's my wife. And I want her back. Because I love her. And I'll give you everything. Over and above what you're asking for. I want Gomer. I want my bride. And in chapter 2... There's this beautiful verse that says, I will make the valley of Achor, which is the valley of trouble. I'll make the valley of trouble a door of hope. So God is saying that through your pain is actually, it's this avenue leading you to hope. I'm using it to bring you through as a door of hope. And it goes on to say, in that day declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. And you will no longer call me my master. And so God doesn't say, despite all of our wandering, that the prostitute in you has run away millions of times as well. But instead of snapping his fingers with a, a Thanos finger snap and just wiping us all out, he says, despite all of that, I will call you my bride and you get to call me husband. Not master. You get to call me husband. I'm not going to beat you up for what you've done. I love you too much. And so how much does the Lord love us? Jesus loved us so much 
He loved us so much that he was willing to die for us, right? He says, I love you this much. And he hung his head in death. And so God says, you are Gomer. That we are the prostitute that goes away again and again and again. But I will buy you back because I love you. And I won't buy you back with a year and a half's wages. I'll buy you back with my own son's life. I'll pay for you with the blood of my own son. I mean, you are that precious to him. And he's willing to offer this scandalous grace, this scandalous mercy for messy, messy people. But will you return to him today? We can hear this message and go, great. And just sit, sit back in normalcy. But don't wait, because soon and very soon, Jesus will return. There, there's an urgency in this book. We cannot afford to be late. Today needs to be the day that we accept Christ. We'll have this an evangelistic appeal to you right now. Have you ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you ever accepted him and said, that's the love I need, not this love I've been messing around with. I can't afford to wait any longer because what if he comes back today? He may not pass me by, but maybe I'm passing him by. God is about to send his people off into exile. There's implications for their sin. He's warning them. Later he says, for I will be like a lion to them. I will tear them to pieces. I will carry them off with no one to rescue them. And that's a warning for them, but it's a warning for us too. This whole book is written to compel us with this scandalous love that does move. But it's also trying to say now it's urgent. He's promising destruction if we pass him by. In chapter five, God says, my people are stubborn. They're like a stubborn cow. That will not listen to me. Even when their drinks are gone, they will continue in their prostitution. And so I'm going to send my armies after them. And because Israel kept running away, God allows them to be taken off, to be destroyed, to be enslaved, and to be beaten, and some to be killed. Y'all, God isn't playing around. Will you put yourself on the trading block with Gomer today? Will you feel the end? The end of your rope. Every very bottom stair of the basement and say there's nowhere to go but up because I've hit rock bottom. Gomer and the prodigal know what it feels like to be at rock bottom. They've, they've felt the shame and they felt the pain. But God goes after rock bottom dealers. Amen? You is, amen? Yes. God shouts, I love you, rock bottom dwellers. I love you and you will be my bride. You will call me husband. You are my beloved. I will marry you. I will be your husband forever. Don't give up on rock bottom dwellers like Gomer because God doesn't. God says, I love those who've hit rock bottom. Then they finally listen to me. Is there a group of people that you feel like you've given up on? Is there someone that you've said in your heart, let's just move on. Not worth it. Is there, is there a part of your city that you said, God will never reach them. 
Is there, is there a person who is like Gomer in your life? And maybe it's you. But is there a person in your life that's like Gomer that you say is a goner? I'll give you that for free. Is there a Gomer who you think is a goner, but God says, I'm about them. I'm, I came here for them. Thank God that God didn't think about me that way, that he just said, there's no use with him. My family would have given up on me. My friends would have given up on me, but God will never give up on me. Paul tells us in Romans 9 that God says to you, that you, the nations, I will call you my people who are not my people. And so he's saying, as you are actually being given the name of these children, Lo-Ami and Lo-Ruhamah, you are the ones who've been called not mine and not loved. But in Romans 9, Paul says, you are now called my beloved and mine and my bride. And so this is why God takes marriage so seriously. Till death do us part. It's a, it's a picture of his commitment to us. I am committed no matter what. Now, our marriage, we say we are committed till death do us part. But he says he is committed through the grave. And even while dead, he is still clutching on to you. And so it's even through death do us part for him. And so it's nothing will separate us from the love of God, Romans 8 tells us. Nothing. Nothing will separate us from that love. And so the point of Hosea is this, that God exalts his mercy by marrying the wife of Hordom. The good news of Hosea is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so, yes, God is in the weirdest marriage ever. More weird than marrying yourself or a snake or a roller coaster. He married me. Why? He marries me and loves me. And so I ask you, take him up on that today. Don't wait. Take him up on that offer. Admit that you're a rock bottom dweller in need of this scandalous grace for a messy person like you. Let's pray.